as we get started here this morning in our time, um, I want to pick up with a bit of a reminder uh, regarding this summer. We mentioned that Amun is coming uh, on the 20th, Amun Sharon. He'll be here preaching on June 20 on Father's Day. Also, July 11, July 11, uh, Brennan Beheimer will be preaching here. And uh, we're excited about Brennan and Stephanie coming back uh, to the States. And, and um, they'll be here right after July 4th. Um, he'll preach July 11th. And it looks like there'll be about a two-month period for them to be able to travel to their supporting churches so that he can uh, talk to them. Uh, for those that have not heard, um, we are very serious in considering Brennan uh, as a associate pastor over at Youth Ministries here. And so if you weren't here last week, that's what we announced um, to the congregation last Sunday. So we're very excited about that. Um, the Lord seems to be closing the door to Krasnodar in, in Russia there. And we are um, looking to talk more seriously with Brennan uh, as the days go by. Um, an exciting time for us. Also, um, Awana. Not Awana. Summertime. Summertime. VBS. <laughs> Awana. Where did that come from? Vacation Bible School. I just I wanted to uh, make mention of, of it being a, a tremendous time um, to get involved. Um, in, in maybe some very simple ways or maybe in, in uh, ways of uh, teaching. This year, we're aiming to reach out to having a, an adult class in those evening sessions. So, be mindful of that. Um, be praying for us in that regard for, um, for those classes that are going to be meeting on those evening sessions. Um, we're excited about that. Uh, it's always been an emphasis on bringing children, but we want to also uh, open, open up the doors to have uh, an adult class. And it's a great theme this year regarding uh, God being our creator. Is that, that must be me. Um, I don't know what to do other than just be nice or something. I don't know what. <laughs> oh, this is going to be interesting here. This better? That's working. Okay. All right. Um, it's good to be back also. We had a, our quick trip to San Francisco. Um, surgery went well. Uh, Sarah's home recovering uh, with a painful left knee and trying to keep it moving, uh, bending it. Bending it is good. And so she's on a what's called a CPM machine, and that keeps her leg bending. And uh, she noticed a difference already. Uh, thank you again so very much. We are so grateful for the prayers and your concern in this regard. And as we drove away from San Francisco uh, at about 8.30 Friday night, we thought, my goodness, one year ago, it all happened. 
and one year you know, later, here we are driving away from San Francisco on a gorgeous evening. Uh, a, a blanket of fog and clouds lay on the bay and, and on San Francisco, and we drove off yipping and hollering again, thank you, Lord, for uh, um, successful uh, surgery. So Sarah's got some work cut out for her in just keeping the knee uh, bending, and she wants to be walking soon, and uh, with her motivation, she'll be dancing soon. So, all right, we left off last week in 2 Timothy. So if you take your Bibles and please turn to 2 Timothy. And in your, out, in your bulletin, you have an outline, and we filled some of those in uh, from last week. And um, this is, we understand this is a passage that's directed to a preacher, to a minister. And um, he's to preach the word. There is an accountability that everyone has. And especially Paul speaking to Timothy, his spiritual son, he's telling Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy saying, you have an accountability to God. And we understand through what other passages of Scripture say, everyone is accountable to God. Okay? Everyone is. And so we, that motivates you as a believer. It shouldn't cause you to run in fear, but it ought to motivate you, okay? So, account, an accountability. And uh, we, we talked briefly about, we looked at the idea of his presence and then his return. And his return will mean his rule. And we, we love it when we compare his first advent when he came, he came as a little infant and he grew up as a young man and lived 33 years on earth. Okay? So his first coming was in that way. His second coming won't be like that at all. His second coming will be as victorious king, the ruler, and he will set up his kingdom. Okay? His kingdom has already been set up, if you will. And where is that? We look around and we think, my goodness, look at, look at culture. Look at what's going on in, in this world. And we think, no way could God's kingdom be set up already. It is. And it's set up in the hearts of believers. Where God's doing His work, if you're a believer in Christ, God's doing His work in your life. So that you would shine brighter and brighter, as Philippians 3 refers to, or I'm sorry, Philippians 2 it, it, as lights in a dark and perverse generation. That's what God wants in regards to you and I growing in the faith. Okay? That we would shine brighter and brighter. All right? So, there's that accountability. Then we talked about this assignment. Point number two, the assignment is a um, predominantly one for the pastor and the preacher to preach the word. But then by implication, we see the dual responsibility, the dual assignment is that the body of believers, people would be listening and receiving the Word of God. Okay? That's very important. We, look, we need to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. We start at verse 1. We'll read it. It says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, there's where we understand his, the accountability that we have. 
verse 2, here's the assignment. Preach the word. Preach the word. And, he, and here's when. In season and out of season. Constantly. Be ready with it. Sometimes, at, you know, within my family, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it's like dad starts talking and dad starts going. And, and I can see it in, my, in the kid's eyes or, or in my wife's eyes. It's like, okay, here he's going again. And it's this, I don't know what to, how to describe it other than there's this fire that gets going and the fire gets burning more and more about wanting to share the gospel. There's all sorts of issues going on in life that we get sidetracked with. But the more that we can steer your own life back to the issue of the gospel, the better off you're going to be in dealing with all that goes on in this perverse and dark generation that we live in. Okay? You, you need to draw yourself back to the gospel. And what does that do? That makes you say, I want to center on the person of Christ. Because the gospel is about Christ. And it's not, again, I've said this in the past, and I'll say it again. And I'll probably say it till I die. And that is, it's, you know, Christian living is not just about a decision and something that happened back in history. Your Christian life is about right now. Living it now and, and focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ now. It's, it just was, it, it was not a matter of being your ticket into heaven. And that's all you need to worry about. That Well, I know the gospel and, and I, I'm going to heaven. No, it's far, far greater than that. It continues to be our source and our meat for growth. Zeroing in on the gospel. That you and I would be gospel-saturated. Gospel-centered. Okay? And that's what he's getting with when he says preach the word. Okay? And we talked about it being the whole counsel of God. Not just here's the, the message of salvation, but here's Genesis to Revelation is the idea of preach the word. Why do I say that? Well, look at the end of chapter 3. He says that the script, it's the scriptures that led you to salvation. And the, it's the scriptures that are what? God breathed, inspired. Okay? So we see that connection there. Um, and it's important that the preacher preaches the word and gives the gospel clearly and that you learn it and that you can share the gospel clearly. I, I know in my, in my past, uh, um, and it, even in my present, if, I, if I'm not careful, I can, I can make it confusing. I can... I can kind of get my own little two cents in there and I can start making the gospel confusing. But the more we zero in on the simplicity of what faith is all about, here's the response of, of mankind, faith, and here's what the Word of God says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And what, what He did, okay? That He died at Calvary. So you're wanting to be clear about that. The more you come to church... You know, the, the more we're saying, I, I want to be encouraged. I want to be built up in the faith so that I can be effective in my community, in my job, wherever I'm at. Okay? So, he says, preach the word, verse 2, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, 
exhort with great patience and instruction or teaching. Okay? Then, here's a part of this issue of the assignment. And that is, he, he refers to the hearers. And in this, in his context, in verse 3, look at verse 3. He's saying, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They meaning the people. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate, they'll, they'll collect, they'll pile on, so to speak, for themselves, teachers in accordance to their own desires, teachers that will say the things they want to be, that, that they want to hear. That's the tendency that we have. There's a tendency there. We want to be, um, there's nothing wrong with being built up and encouraged. That's a part of what the Bible instruction is about. But you know what the gospel is about? Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, If you want to follow me, what do you got to do? Die, die, die. Take up your cross and follow me, is what he's saying. And that theme can be heard over and over as you read and study the Word of God. It's there. And so, we've got to... Um, it's like, I, I, I want to encourage you. I want to I pat you on the back. I want to say, way to go, good job, and all those things. Those are, they have their place. But when we say we've got to be centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ... What we bring in and what we open up to is saying, and you better die. You better repent. You better change. Don't keep behaving that way. Don't keep talking that way. Think in a new way. Be transformed in, the think- in your thinking. So there's, you know, with the gospel, you're not, you're not dealing with just a nice, cute little pet thing. You're dealing with what's been termed as a lion, Okay, so we have that assignment. Then we come to letter two um, C in your outline. Okay, we have this assignment from God: preaching the word, receiving the word, or resisting it. If that's by implication there, and letter C: persevering in the work of the ministry. Persevering in the work of the ministry, also called a, a labor of love. Verse 3 and 4, where it says that, you know, the, the people want to hear what they want to hear, that can very well happen. And in Timothy's day, the world was full of so-called teachers, so-called uh, spokespersons, orators. It was full of it, okay? And you had to be very careful as to what you were hearing, And so, in this ministry that's being mentioned now, look at verse 5. But you, but you, there's the turning point now. But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So now he's coming right back to Timothy, talking directly to the pastor, the preacher, talking to Timothy, saying, but you do this. Now, it, it has its... Uh, ramifications for all of us. It's it's to the the preacher. Do the 
here's this ministry, do it. But it's something that reaches out to all believers. If you're saying, I want the gospel, I want to hear the gospel, I want to hear the teaching of the word of God. And you recognize, here's the the tendency that he mentions in verse 3. They're not going to endure sound doctrine. They want their ears tickled. They want to accumulate teachers to hear what they want to hear. But you, and you would join in to this, this call, this assignment, if you will. You, be sober in all things. Okay? What does that mean? It's getting at being, at keeping your head. Keeping your head about you. Being steady in all things. Um, like someone under pressure that keeps their cool. Um, we see it a lot of times. I, I, I like to, you know, bring in the athletic kind of uh, motif here. That's what Paul's going to do in a little bit. He's going to bring in the athletic motif. And that's, that's the idea here of, of being sober-minded, that you keep your head under pressure. And you know what to do. Here's your assignment. Keep doing it and keep, keep steady in this. That, you know, we must maintain this kind of a thinking. Why? Because the world we live in is so off-balanced. It's so e- even insane with stuff. The, the things that we see on the computer, on video now, it, it gets more and more ridiculous and insane with things. You, Christian... <laughs> It's, it's a matter of saying, I, I need to be like this. I need to be like he's saying to Timothy, the pastor, the preacher, be sober in all things. It's the idea of being well balanced, right? Recognizing what's going on. And what he's saying here is what now I'm seeing more and more on good um, uh, websites with the the different things being written, a lot of guys are calling it gospel sanity. Gospel sanity. That we'd be understanding and clear about it. So keeping your head, being sober-minded. Secondly, endure suffering. Knowing that following Christ results in suffering. Christianity will cost something. In our day and our age, that we've grown up in, we've not seen that as much. We've not seen that Christianity costs something. In America, it's been very comfortable, very easy. In other nations in the world, it's not been easy. And so we need to understand that also. And by the way, a good way to think of this is meet your hardships with courage. Meet your hardships with courage. What's the typical response? When hardships come, I complain. You complain. But God really would encourage us. What does that mean? It means to encourage means to inject courage into somebody else. Okay? So, enduring hardship. Inject courage by receiving the hardships with courage. Saying, I want to... I want to look to Christ and keep my focus on Him. Then he says, do the work of an evangelist. See it there next in verse 5? Do the work of an evangelist. Basically stated, keep going after the lost. 
Keep going after the lost with your words and in your deeds. And we say, oh, I, I, that's not, you know, evangelism isn't for me. Well, time out. Are you saying you're a Christian? If you are saying you're a Christian, then evangelism is for you and me. And what he says here to Timothy, he's saying, do the work of an evangelist. Keep after that. What? Keep after the lost. Go share your faith. Go share the gospel with other people. Okay? If we go on another 30 years in this church, in this congregation, and never really get excited about sharing the gospel with others, we're going to die. We will die as a congregation. Guarantee. I'm not a prophet, but you can guarantee that. It will turn into a dying congregation here at Parkside Bible Fellowship if we do not get excited about sharing the gospel with others. Were you excited last week about the baptisms? You were because you responded. You were glad and excited about that. Both Jody and Anthony, it was neat to see them in sharing their testimonies of faith. Okay? At some point, they had to hear the gospel. And someone had to share the gospel with them. (laughs) And Paul is saying to the preacher, Timothy, you do the work of an evangelist. Okay? So I, I need to, I want to share the gospel with my neighbors, my friends that don't know the Lord. I want to do that. Am I perfectly faithful in doing it all the time? No. I need to ask God to help me. Same thing for you. I know there's fears, there's things that inhibit us, whatever we call it, that we end up getting tongue-tied and twisted all up, you know, in what we want to say. But ask God, pray that God would help you to be more and more ready to share your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ with another person. Okay, Do the work of an evangelist. Point people to Christ through your words, through your deeds. And the best words to have are the words of Scripture. Those are the best words you can share with another one regarding evangelism. Then fourth, under persevering in the ministry, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill. What is he getting at is just, you know, here's this wholehearted uh, effort in serving the Lord. Even if some of the hearers that we read of in verse 3 and 4, even if some of the hearers abandon and go after teachers that will say things that the hearers want to hear, Paul needs to, uh, Paul's saying to Timothy, you fulfill your ministry. You fulfill it. Continue on with it. And that's our transition into the next verse. How do you fulfill your ministry, Timothy? How is he going to do it? Look at verse 6. Verse 6, 7, and 8. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, 
will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Okay? So, we've, we've considered last week being accountable to God, and here's the, the assignment that we have, and now here's our appointment. Our appointment with God. Point number three on the back of your outline. The appointment with God. Okay? Paul is sharing his confidence and his joy about this anticipated appointment with God. He's sharing it. And what we get is we can glean how we can be also joyful and confident in this future appointment. Okay? Um, all sorts of examples and illustrations here. Um, you students, once you leave high school, some of you have graduated now, officially graduated, and we congratulate you. And now you move on to college, and those years are going to fly by. And then it's the potential of a, a big interview for a job. Ha! A job! A real-life job. And, and you call back home and you say, Hey, pray for me because I've got this big interview and I'm really excited about it. And everything gets focused on that, what? On that interview. Okay? It's the same for you. Each one of us. Maybe it's a, here's a new job that you're looking forward to and you're hoping and you're praying for it. And everything's concentrated in getting that interview done in a great way. All right? All sorts of things that come to mind when you're, uh, when we're thinking about what we really look forward to. I'm looking forward, you know, this summer, our son getting married now. Um, Dave and Tim's niece getting married to our son. Did you know that? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's neat. So we're going to somehow be related. We already are. Okay. We look forward to things. What are you looking forward to this summer? Maybe it's a vacation. Okay? Um it's time fishing maybe. <laughs> All sorts of things that you look forward to. And Paul is getting at this. He has a confidence because you know what? We said it last week. Here's his impending death. His impending death. And it's not just dying. He's a prisoner. And he's going to, as tradition has it, we understand, be beheaded at the hands of Nero. And he's not cowering in fear. Yes, Paul is an amazing example for us. We understand that. And we think, oh, Paul is like way up there and I'm way down here. Paul was looking to Jesus Christ, the same Jesus Christ that you and I are looking to, who came, was born miraculously, the incarnation. He lived perfectly. He suffered innocently. And he was killed mercilessly. And he then was buried and he rose again. He overcame death. 
and sin. And you and I have hope because of that. And Paul is simply passing on to Timothy, here's my hope, here's my confidence, here's my joy. And it's a theme that you and I as believers need to keep looking at. We look at the things of this world and the things that we're all complex, you know, all, all sorts of complexity that we're dealing with in life. And you and I as Christians, we need to keep our eyes set on the risen one. Colossians chapter 3, on Jesus. We must keep our eyes on him as we go about this world. So he, he knows that his appointment's coming and he passes these little clues along to Timothy and we get them. How does he prepare? Well, he's prepared sacrificially. That's the first one. Letter A, with this appointment with God, he's prepared sacrificially. He's being poured out as a drink offering. And that was like the, the capper on all the, all the sacrifices that were given. The final one to top it all off was a, a drink offering as a, approval from God. And so what has Paul's life been like? Since he came to faith in Christ, his life has been a constant issue of serving the body of Christ. And he's been a, a teacher and a, a pastor himself. And he just continues to, continues to pour out his life as a servant to the body of Christ. Okay? So that's what he's saying now. He's come to the end of his life, basically. And he's saying, I've been poured out as a drink offering. Here it is. And I know that the time of my departure has come. A very interesting phrase. Listen. He's not talking about his death. I love that. I hope that I can, as I get older and closer to that time, that I can not even refer to it as death, but refer to it as my departure. I love that. It's like his release. And that's what he's saying with this word departure. It's not an end. It's not his death. It's my release. It's a term used to, like for campers. It's a term used to, to pick up the tent, pack it up, and, and march on. You're breaking camp. Another way to look at it is like if um, for a, a sailor, they, they pull up the, the moors, or they pull up the ropes from the dock, and they push away, and off they go. They're released. Okay? Or, or like with a, an animal that's given its life to the farmer by pulling that plow all those years. And finally the farmer comes and, and unyokes the animal. And that's the way he's describing it here with my departure. You're being released. Okay? How you view your death... Listen. How do you view your death? All too often, I'm holding on to my life too, what? Too tightly. My friend, you're typically holding on to your life too tightly. If you're a believer in Christ, the, the example is right here. The example is in Christ himself, but also here with Paul, and as he passes it on to Timothy. Are we holding on to our lives too tightly? It's laying down the burden my death. It's, laying, it's going to be laying down a burden. 
It's laying aside the, the remaining shackles of my earthly life. His imminent death simply completes this pattern of his life, right? The pattern of Paul's life was being a servant, sacrificing himself. And now death comes, there it is. Okay? So, sacrificially. Let's move on. Second one, letter B. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And one way to put it here is letter B, wholeheartedly. He's prepared for this wholeheartedly. He looks back on his life to say, I fought this good fight. And the word fought there is the word that we have for agony. He's agonized in this fight. What's it like? Are, are you, you and I aren't brought up to necessarily be fighters, are we? We're brought up to be, you know, kind and gentle and, and, you know, hospitable and sociable and all those things. But Paul is passing on a key ingredient as we go through this life. He's saying, be a fighter. He says, I have, as he's looking at, at death's door, at, at the departure, as he's looking at it, he's saying, I have fought the good fight. And I know in your heart, if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the sincerity there is, is saying, I want to say the same thing when I get there. But how? How can I, when I get to that point where I'm about to be released from this life and move on to the next, how can I really say, I have fought the good fight? How do you do that? To be a fighter in this sense means you, you train. You train. It's a discipline. And that discipline is to know Jesus Christ better and better and better. To know Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said in Philippians 3. To know Him and in the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings. So, Again, some of you, that's, that's like, I understand that, I get that, and you're on that pathway to know Christ better and better. We might ask the question, well, how, how do I know Christ? How do I know if I know Christ? Do you know how you know if you know Christ better and better? It's what you're trying to do now and study the Word. You've got to study the Word. It's that simple. It, it gets down to being that simple. Okay? Fight the good fight. To do that, know Christ better and better. To know Christ, you've got to know the Word. It can't just come down mystically, like the, the sh, you know, some little rain falling down on your body. No. It's something that you, di- you invest time in the Word. Not here just alone on Sunday morning but on a regular basis. Okay? Um, Our family has been really blessed in having godly parents, godly grandparents, okay? Grandparents who spent time in the Word, that wanted to exemplify it in their lives, and their grandkids saw them 
And it wasn't that the Swenson kids just always saw mom and dad in doing it. Mom and dad had their struggles, but we, we wanted to develop children that learn to love the Lord. Okay? So, I bring that in. What I just did was, here, here's a bunch of just different generations. If you're in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, God bless you, and God, God would keep using you to influence others. Um, John Wooden, famous um, basketball coach from UCLA, just passed away. 99 years old. And do you know that some of the greatest influence of his life was after he was done coaching? You know, he, a tremendous coach, and then he retires like in 1975, and then from there on, people keep coming to him, and they want to hear from him. They want his touch on life. They want to hear his counsel on life. And you know, one good way to sum up his life you know, was selflessness. Just a very humble man. We can learn from that. So, fight the good fight, okay? And what we're fighting against Satan, we're fighting against God's enemy, Satan, we're fighting against the world system, the whole world system, and we've got to come back to recognizing we're also fighting, you know what I'm fighting? I'm fighting my own pride, Day after day, week after week. You're fighting your own pride day after day, week after week. This is something that we need to recognize as one of the enemies of God. God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. James chapter 4. Just taking that one verse and making that your life verse is going to make a huge difference in your life with your relationships with one another. You're going to recognize how pride so easily sneaks in to all that's going on. So humble yourself before God's almighty hand and He will lift you up. Okay? So Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. You know, thousands and thousands of people run in marathons now. They're not getting paid to do it. Why are they doing it? They want to finish a race, right? <laughs> Al's back there smiling. He's our, our representative marathon runner. Why do they run it? They want to finish the race, and they you know, would like to improve their time. But all of these thousands of runners, they're not getting paid to do it. But you know what's underneath it all? There's a great satisfaction in doing it, right? There's a little picture of a greater truth. The more you and I keep pressing on to know Christ, there's going to be a great, what? A great satisfaction, a great delight in knowing Him. And then he says, I have kept the faith. Here it sounds like he's being boastful and prideful. But no, it's the work that God started in him, right? This is the work that God started. And he just says, I've kept the faith. I've been true to the Lord. Because I can boast in Christ who started the work. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. You can have a confidence and a joy in facing this issue of your, your great appointment with God. 
Okay? Well, number th- in letter C, the final one is confidently. We've already touched on different things about this, um, referring to it. There's confidence that we can have. Paul, who wrote this to Timothy, is just about to face the Roman emperor's judgment. Listen. He's about to face death by execution from the Roman emperor. He's about right there with it. But he's looking beyond. He's looking beyond to the great judge, the Lord Jesus himself. And longing to hear, what would you want to hear from God's mouth, if you will, if God has a mouth there like that? What would you want to hear from God? When you die, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. See, it, whatever we face in this life, Christ enables you to look beyond it to Him. If it's cancer, if it's some ailment, if it's some, whatever it is, if it's not even that physical it might be emotional. You can look beyond those things and look to the, the truth of Christ. And that you can look to Him and have confidence. And that's what Paul has. And he's saying, look at verse 8. In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me. Here it is. Look. But to all but to all who have what? Loved His appearing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Just mark that down. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Says this, And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame at His coming. See, that's what Paul's building up in Timothy so that Timothy can pass it on so that others can pass it on. And here we are. 2010. 2,000 some years later. And we're still saying these same words of encouragement. Don't get so clasping on and hanging on to this life. God's got something far greater prepared for you, my friend. God's got something far greater than what we have here. Don't get caught up with all the temporary issues. Get caught up in what's eternal. Okay? And as we do that, you know what's going to happen? We'll have a ministry of joy. There'll be a ministry of joy. It just can't be held back. That's what God would have developed in your life and in our church. Right? It's a ministry that's a purifying ministry. That's what accountability is about. Being accountable. It's an assignment from God that we have. Preach the Word and receive the Word. It's a growing ministry. It's a learning ministry. And then finally, the appointment with God. 
when you stop, listen, when you stop and think about it, push aside everything else this world is offering and the voices of this world have for us and push aside everything and stop and think about your appointment with God. What's it going to be like? Paul says, you know what? You can have confidence and joy going into that. If you're nervous about it, I guess we can all understand that because I'd be nervous thinking about it because why? We've never been there before. And by the way, beware of those who say, I've been there and come back and write about it. Please don't go with that group. Don't go there with those people. That is dreamy land. And you might have a really powerful experience saying, you know, about this or that. I don't know what to tell you. Other than, what does the Word of God have for us? That's what we've got to go back to. Is What is the Gospel about? And keep living this life in a faithful way. Trusting Him. Okay. It's communion time. Please um, just ask God to help you in preparing your, your own heart if you've not done it already. But ask Him, him for help in receiving the elements in a, in a sober-minded way. We'll have joy, believer, in Christ. We'll have joy in that day where there's the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll have joy there. But right now, this is about remembering what? His death for you. His substitutionary death for you. And he was totally what? Totally innocent. Never having sinned once. And yet he took on the sin of the world. Your sin and mine. And with these elements, we remember what he did. So, let's receive with a grateful heart. And receive with a heart of resolve to say, Lord, help me to move on in growth, in maturity, in the faith. Right? Like the men that are serving to come at this time. And uh, let's pray together.